You are not going to believe the day I've had already. You know, when I did the morning show, I, I missed out on all the things that were always necessary to be done around the house. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can understand that. I'd leave very early in the morning, and I'd come back late. So Kim, who's always been in charge, would always handle things. Well, now with the new shift, I'm around for a lot of this stuff. And I have to tell you, first of all, good afternoon. On your way to making each and every day count, each day is a gift. Nice to be with you. This is an unbelievable day, though. Today, if you drove by my house, you would have seen a Victor's Home Solutions truck, a Marygrove Awnings truck, a Rose Pest Solutions truck, an Absopure truck, and an Anderson Pools truck. Do you ever drive down the street and say, wow, there's a lot of work going on on this street? Well, that happened on my street today at my house. And, uh, and the beauty is that most all of them, uh, other than... Uh, Keith Anderson and Anderson Pools are advertisers on my show, and this proves I really am a customer, and I really do believe in these people. So I, I want to thank Victor at Victor's Home Solutions, Mike Fallahy, long, long, long-time friend, Mary Grove Awnings, and Stephen Patrick came out. Uh, thank you, Jim Ives at Rose Pest Solutions. Mike, our regular guy who does our, you know, we signed up a long time ago for the regular service. I didn't see who was here from Anderson Pools, but Keith Anderson uh, runs the company. And then, of course, the Youngs, William Young, Bill Young, uh, sending out the uh, AbsoPure gentleman who's been here before, Tom Story. Tom Story, who's, uh, who's helped us. But, I mean, that's just, I mean, I couldn't make that up. Rieger, that's, can you believe how many people, how many workers, how many companies were here in one day? No, you told me this uh, earlier, and I, uh, it's, it's insane. that you're, how, did they, how did that all get scheduled for the same day? <laughs> I, uh, I am just one of the worker bees here. I am not in charge of, of all of that. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it all happened today on National Salami Day. Did you know it was National Salami Day? I, I did not know. Do you like salami? Yeah. Danielle, you like salami? I love salami. Oh, Danielle. I'm going to go buy some today. Well, this gives you the excuse. And say, uh, you know, I heard on WJR that it's National Salami Day. Do I get a deal? You can ask. It never hurts to ask. I'm assuming they'll say no. Depends on how well you know them. Salami. I'm going to bet, bet Danielle will we'll ask that question. Well, she should. I'm going to at Fresh Time Market in Canton. Oh, that's a nice place. Fresh Time Market in Canton. Yes, I will. Your place. Them. Yep. A couple of quick notes. Salami fun facts. Uh, the name salami derives from the Italian word for to salt. Salami dates back to ancient Rome, but it's likely even older. There are over 150 named varieties of salami. 
Pepperoni is made from salami and paprika. Two salamis that might be familiar to you are, do you say Genoa? Genoa? Do you know? Genoa or Genoa? Whatever, whatever it is you know better than I. And hard salami. Some of the salami, the Genoa or Genoa salami, ages with red wine, peppercorns, and garlic. It's a softer salami offering a fermented flavor. In contrast, hard salami not only falls into the cured category, but makers also dry and smoke the meat. The resulting salami slices easily. Anyway, more than you've ever known about salami. And the Romans were making it, even and even before then. So that's why it gets a day, National Salami Day. Uh, this is a big day because our Detroit Lions are starting their season today. And uh, it's Bob Wojanowski in the Detroit News, the above the fold, above the headline, time to see if the Lions are for real. I believe they're for real, but that doesn't automatically mean they can beat the Super Bowl champs. Today, what are your thoughts, Mr. Rieger? You follow these things far more closely than I do. It should be a very interesting game tonight. Um, you know, it's going to be raise the Super Bowl banner for the Chiefs. Arrowhead is a extremely tough place to play on the road. It's the first game of the season. All eyes are on the Lions and the Chiefs. They may not have Travis Kelsey. They're probably not going to have Chris Jones, the Chiefs I'm talking about. Um, it seems like everything's lining up for a Lions win. Well, we'll see. Here's a little bit more uh, of the news that is a little bit troubling. Patrick Mahomes, who I think is one of the best, has never lost a game in week one in his entire NFL career. Yeah, that's true. So this would be a great time to hand him his first loss so we can all remember it forever. Well, you know, I got to tell you, the the hype is there. I don't remember ever seeing hearing seeing the hype that that it's behind the Detroit Lions uh leading into a game 1 of a new season like there is this year. And uh you know, they got um I think that the I think the Chiefs have more to lose than the Lions do, really. Oh, and certainly. So, Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, just um, I think you're going to see. We'll know, we'll know pretty quick, I think. Uh, it'd be, we'll, know, it, we'll know within the first couple offensive series. If, if this weren't the first game of the season, I would say there was a good chance that my, uh, my theory of better teams taking lesser teams for granted and then getting beat, uh, that's not going to happen this time because it's the first game. Of the season, so that I throw out the window. Of course, not having Kelsey is a big help for us. But I, I hope the guy—I don't want anyone out hurt, but I hope he's okay. Uh, the headline here from the Detroit News today: Chiefs Kelsey questionable, Lions Mosley won't play. Um, and we made the front uh, sports section of USA Today, so we're getting some good national uh, press. Oh yeah, Lion, showing I mean, Aiden Hutchinson celebrating an interception against the Packers, heading into his second season as a centerpiece of the Lions' D line, and then Jarrett Bell. I know he doesn't write the uh, the headlines. We all have headline writers. This one is 
the Lions might be dot, 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 good. <laughs> well, hey, you never know. <laughs> I think the Lions are going to be good. Uh, I think they are good. I think they're going to be good. And um, You and most of the country. Well, I've been, uh, like many people within the sound of my voice, we've been hoping, praying, counting on, and believing in the Lions forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, just as you have. I mean, listen, uh, I, I, you know, candidly, I'm not a Detroit Lions fan. What? I'm a Denver Broncos no. fan. Uh, okay. But, Wait but, a second. Wait but, a second. You know, Wait. But can't you root for the Lions all the time? I'm rooting for the Lions tonight because it helps Denver if Kansas City loses because oh they're in the same oh division. So, oh yes, go Lions. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what am I going to do? Folks, I, I don't hire and fire, so I can't fire him. So. We're just going to have to live with him. But I'm glad because he's doing a nice job. I'll give you a go blue. Does that make you happier? <laughs> come on. Well, I always want to go blue. There you but go. Come on. Not just before the Lions. You can say Honolulu blue. There you go. Go Honolulu blue. That's for you, Paul. Uh, it doesn't sound right. It certainly doesn't sound, <laughs> it does not sound genuine by any stretch. All right. On to the important news. God bless I mean, God bless Dan and Jennifer Gilbert. More reasons to bless them. We'll talk about it coming up in our first conversation with Laura Graneman, Vice President of the Rocket Community Fund and Executive Director of the Gilbert Family Foundation. More blessings from the Gilberts for everyone as we continue in focus on WJR. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Uh, Victor uh, would have been proud. Uh, his Victor's uh, people, Victor's Home Solutions here doing some work. Uh, Mike Fallahy with the Mary Grove Awnings guys. Uh, Jim Ives, the <laughs> Rose Pest Solution. I mean, we had everybody, Keith Anderson, Anderson Pools, and, and, and just now uh, uh, early, the, the, the latest arrival, Tom Story from AbsoPure. Thanks, uh, Bill Young, and the team there. I, I, they were all here today. That's got to be, that's like a record of some sort. Anyway, uh, nobody wants to replace their roof. Come on, we understand that. It's an unplanned expense. In the past, choosing the right company would be stressful, not for my listeners. And a roof repair is less expensive and much less hassle. And you might get away with a roof repair rather than a complete replacement. But the hot summer sun is indeed hard on your shingles. They can become brittle and dried out, and that's the beginning of problems. Victor, the owner of Victor's Home Solutions, says he sees roofs every year that were beyond repair because a minor problem was allowed to fester and become major damage. There are things you can do to postpone a roof replacement and get the full lifespan out of your shingles. Take a minute to walk around your home and look up at the roof. Do you see any shingles raised up or curling? That's a sure sign of damage that needs to be addressed. If you see damage, or if you're just unsure, or how about this? Just get an expert opinion by calling Victors. They're going to be out within 24 hours and do a free 21-point inspection. It is the most comprehensive in the industry. They inspect your roof from above and below and in the attic to make sure there's proper ventilation. They want a comprehensive picture of what your roof is going through, what your roof needs. They go over their findings with you point by point and discuss what the next steps are. Call for your free 
21-point inspection and estimate today. Call 734-6666-914. That's 734-6666-914. Or go to victors.com. We continue with Paul W. Jr. Well, you see the front page of the newspapers today. Uh, I hold in my hand the Detroit News. And uh, this is so incredible, so spectacular. I, I never want us to take for granted the philanthropy of people because it is the philanthropy of people who help so many people and make so many good things happen in Detroit. And this is about two philanthropists we know well, Dan and Jennifer Gilbert, who unveiled a new initiative yesterday in memory of their son, Nick, who died in May. If you saw pictures of Dan Gilbert, you saw a bow tie pin on his lapel. That is in memory of Nick. And we had a bunch of those uh, bow ties that were handed out at an event recently. I still have mine, and it makes me think of one of the bravest, strongest kids I've ever known, Nick Gilbert. And I did not know him well, but I certainly knew of his battle with a disease we'd never heard of before. He had it. So the headline, Gilbert's put $375 million toward keeping up their late son's battle. No one better to tell us about this than the vice president of the Rocket Community Fund and, importantly, executive director of the Gilbert Family Foundation. We welcome back Laura Graneman. Laura, nice to have you here. This is a fabulous story built on a very sad one. Yes, it is. Uh, But, you know, I've been so incredibly honored to be witness to the fact that Dan and Jennifer have taken so many struggles that they've experienced and said, you know what, while this was an incredibly difficult experience, we want to take that and make sure that no one else going forward has to go through the same challenges. Um, And so they are proud to have announced both the Nick Gilbert Neurofibromatosis Research Institute, as well as Um, a huge investment alongside Henry Ford Health Systems to bring one of the best neuro rehab facilities right here to the city of Detroit, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. Which is the, uh, I'm presuming, uh, because I knew that Dan had gone uh, to, uh, I I thought it was Chicago, might have been, where did you just say the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab? It's originally Chicago? Originally in Chicago, correct. So now... Because of what Dan has gone through and Jennifer and the whole family, they're bringing a Shirley Ryan Ability Lab to Detroit, which wouldn't be happening without their efforts and their money. So all of us benefit from that because all of us run the risk of having a stroke. And if we do, we want the best care we can possibly get because the sooner you get that care, the less likely the stroke will kill you or have lifelong uh, uh, problems. Yeah, that's right. You know, we we already know that one in four adults over the age of 25 are going to have a stroke at some point in their life. Um, And unfortunately, that number just goes up when we see communities that have underlying conditions. Um, Health is one of those things that 
unfortunately, oftentimes you can't control. Um, and we want to make sure that Detroit residents have the best resources when a crisis does happen to be able to navigate those challenges. As Jennifer Gilbert put it, Detroit will become a leader in stroke and other neurohabilitation issues because of these initiatives. And this is good for everyone. In fact, because they they never miss. Jennifer and Dan Gilbert never miss. You know what else they've put up, from what I understand, is an additional $10 million to offset co-pays for people who can't afford them. That is incredible. I mean, who thinks of these things? Well, actually, Dan, this was due to his personal experience at Shirley Ryan. Um, and, and Dan, as you know, is always looking for ways that systems aren't working for people and how we can create better ways. He's obsessed with finding a better way to serve the city of Detroit. Um, and in this particular case, he met a lot of patients at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab who unfortunately had to limit the number of hours that they were able to receive uh, of rehab care because their insurance would not cover it. Um, and so this $10 million fund is going to be specifically for low-income Detroit residents who are uninsured or underinsured and who need support to be able to get the rehab care they need. Just incredible. Just a, a, another point that I, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned, and it may have even come up in conversation with my next guest, who will be uh, Bob uh, Riney from Henry Ford, because, of course, they're a big, big part of this with the whole new uh, hospital that they want to build. And, and it's being built with help from people like Dan and Jennifer Gilbert and others. And this is the way things get done today. We can't depend on our government because they can't get it done. We depend on people who have done very well and want to continue to do good by helping other people. And, uh, that's an important note that we need to remember. And in this case, it is a great family with a commitment to honor their son, Nick, who passed away at the age of 26, to remember him and try to work toward a future without neurofibromatosis. And then dad, Dan, had his stroke. And it, it, it was very tough. It was it was very tough. With all of our thoughts and prayers, he has come through it. But he wants everybody to have the the opportunity to have the best care as quickly as possible as they can get. And that's again where the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab comes in. Is Shirley Ryan still alive? That's a great question. Um, and actually, you know, the, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab team um, would be the, the best uh, partner to answer questions about Shirley Ryan. Um, but, you know, they, their work has inspired so much. Um, and Dan in particular, you know, as you know, sought out the absolute best care. Um, they have been rated the number one neurologic rehab provider in the world for the last uh, four decades. So some pretty incredible world-class care bringing right here to Detroit. Very incredible world-class care. Getting the attention of our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, praising the Gilbert's announcement while she was on her way to Japan. 
City Council President Mary Sheffield uh, and others, our, I'm sure our mayor, Mike Duggan, had something to say about it. As Detroiters, once again, are going to get the very best in this very specific health care opportunity because of private giving and giving by people that we know to be so philanthropic for the city of Detroit, Dan and Jennifer Gilbert. And you get to work right alongside them, and I think that's spectacular as we've watched you grow within the company, vice president of the Rocket Community Fund and executive director of the Gilbert Family Foundation, Ms. Laura Graneman. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Paul. As we continue on WJR. Well, uh, following up with what we just spoke uh, with Laura Graneman about is, of course, the effect this has on a great hospital just getting greater and uh, and truly bringing world-class health care uh, to Detroit doesn't happen without people. It's not government. It's not the individual hospitals. It's actually the giving spirit of the average Detroiter, Michigander, Michiganian, call them what you will, what we will be, uh, who step up and say, you know what, I've, I've done well. Thank God, I've worked hard. Things have worked out well. Some luck in my, in my favor. The harder I work, the luckier I get. And now I'm going to, I'm going to do good. I'm going to go over and above and do good and help, in this case, Henry Ford Health. Well, they've got a great leader there. The CEO at Henry Ford Health System is my friend Bob Riney, who's on the other end of our line right now. Robert, this was a very, very big, important, and welcomed story and gift from the Gilbert Family Foundation. Well, it's great to be with you, Paul W., and you described my emotions yesterday, and as I woke up today perfectly in that you know you live for these legacy moments when you know that you're going to be contributing to something that will serve Detroiters and Michiganders and people from throughout the country for generations to come and um, when you have this combination of mission aligned organizations the clinical expertise that we have at Henry Ford that I'm just so proud of and then an incredibly generous uh, donor like Jennifer and Dan Gilbert with their own mission to improve the lives of those um, that uh, live in the same place they call home. And then you get a Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, you know, the number one ranked in the world inpatient rehabilitation that says, we want to be part of what you're doing in Detroit. We want to be part of this campus. The real winners are everyone that lives in our state. It's really uh, building up, Henry Ford, with your plans that you already had announced uh, uh, about the new patient tower. I think it was February when we talked about that on the air. Um, Which, by the way, I was just reading in today's newspaper. I didn't realize it's going to be taller than our Fisher building. It is. I mean, you know, not that we're competitive or anything. <laughs> well, we appear to you, be. Com- <laughs> we appear to be competitive now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys may have to put a larger antenna on the top of those towers. Well, 
MSU now owns the building, or most of it, and they'll just put a large green flag up there if they have to, to go a little higher. But be that as it may, you're looking at what can become Michigan's world-class healthcare facility. That's our goal, and you know what? It's an important piece of the Detroit of the future because every world-class city has a destination academic medical center that's got a really inviting campus and just attracts the best in research and clinical care. And we have the talent, and now we're going to have the place. We're going to have the environment. And so uh, I look at this as not only great for the health of the community, but this is a big deal for the strategic plan of Detroit itself. And You know, this tower, similar to the Fisher Building, will be the gateway as you're heading into New Center, Midtown, and Downtown. You know, it's it's funny. You you talk about the future, and that's what we all must talk about. But we do give a nod to the past in remembering that we wouldn't have Henry Ford Health System without Henry Ford and the Ford family, which has continued to support the hospital system. And there are so many situations around Detroit where well-known families that have done very well have decided to give back in a very big way. We're now at that that opportunistic time. So we already know that a lot of money is going into this, thanks to the Gilberts, but a lot more money is going to be needed with the new patient tower that you revealed in February on our way to being this world-class healthcare facility, one that you, will prove that no one ever has to leave Detroit for the best health care. And we're calling upon families again, just like it was the Ford, Henry Ford and the Ford family, many, many, many years ago that gave birth to this health system. There are families today who can make an incredible difference in their lives and in the lives of many others in Detroit by remembering Henry Ford Health System during this very important campaign to raise the money to build the facility you want to build. Yeah, I couldn't um, have said it better. And I I do want to give a shout-out to the Ford family, which not only set the wonderful origins and the ongoing support of our mission, but continue to do so and are, um, you know, going to be significant contributors in their own right to what we're building. And so, you know, whether it's Martha Ford or Cynthia and Etzel Ford or uh, Bill Ford Jr. Um, or Lynn and Paul Allen uh, and, and so many more that continue to just encourage us, continue to, um, you know, be the wind beneath our wings. And, and it was some of the best calls I had yesterday were to those individuals to, uh, you know, tell them what uh, we were now adding to this amazing campus. But to your broader point, you know, we have um, and we need our uh, community to support this effort. And it, while it warms my heart to get these amazingly big gifts, it also warms my heart when I get a letter from a transplant patient that said, you know, my wife and I um, pooled our broader family and here's a $10,000 check towards what you're doing. 
because to them that is a big gift and it's something that they're doing out of the generosity of their hearts. So, you know, we're hoping that what Dan and Jennifer have done inspires people that have a lot of means um, and that can help us in a significant way and also inspires those that may not have a lot of means but can contribute in still a very meaningful way. Absolutely. And let me uh, let me explain how people can contribute and have fun at the same time because Henry Ford Hospital's 12th annual Destination Grand Ball will be happening at MGM Grand Detroit uh, coming up Saturday, December 9th from 6 p.m. to 12 midnight. Proceeds from the Grand Ball will benefit the vision for the future of health Detroit, a monumental $2.5 billion investment anchored by Destination Grand, the major expansion of Henry Ford Hospital, along with a cutting-edge medical research facility, all a part of the reimagined academic health care campus that will create thriving, healthy communities in Detroit and beyond. Visit henryford.com slash grandball, henryford.com slash grandball, or you can call 313-614-0871, 313-614-0871. Kim and I are planning on supporting and attending, and I hope that uh, my listeners will join us as well for Destination Grand Ball, December 9th of uh, 23. Bob Riney, keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you, Paul W. You do as well. We will continue here now on WJR. Well, we've already seen uh, some pretty uh, incredible weather, obviously, and uh, we've got more information coming out today. Uh, Scientists at uh, NOAA and their Climate Prediction Center, this is all a division of the National Weather Service, have now increased their prediction for the ongoing 2023 Atlantic hurricane season from a near-normal level of activity to an above-normal level of activity with uh, this latest announcement. Uh, Eben Brown is going to walk us through this. He is our Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor extraordinaire to try to give us the breakdown on what NOAA and the forecasters are saying about the hurricane season predictions. Always a pleasure, Eben. Good to be with you. Tell us uh, what happened. I mean, we I thought we had El Nino that was supposed to kind of, uh, you know, it gets confusing, but it was supposed yeah, to kind it, of it, counterbalance. It is kind of hard to, it's a bit hard to follow sometimes. Uh, it, and this update actually came out last month. Uh, every year, oh. uh, NOAA uh, gives out uh, their, what they call the seasonal outlook for the Atlantic hurricane season. And that's, they do it initially in May, usually a few weeks before the season properly begins June 1. Uh, and they, that's when they tell you we'll have uh, between this many and that many named tropical storms. And then of those be, between this many, that many become hurricanes. And then between of those between this many and that many become what we call major hurricanes, category three or stronger. And then always in August, they put an update out because they see the trends of the actual season, whether or not things are playing out as, as they had believed. Uh, and they may adjust some of those ranges. Uh, and uh, and and address some of their you know whether or not they call it a normal above normal whatever the case may be. Um, way too often I think people get hung up on these things because it really just does take one or one too many of these storms to to really ruin your day and your year and your livelihood. 
Uh, and what you should know is that even though uh, the, the terms normal and above normal, they're all very kind of relative because every few years it's a kind of a new normal because things <laughs> do change. Yeah. Um, so, yes, they did in August, uh, in the August update, kind of increase the number of storms that they are expecting for the remainder of the season. Just to give you an example of that, in the May uh, outlook, they suspected there would be five to nine hurricanes. They now suspect there will be six to 11. They had suspected one to four major. They now suspect two to five. So the ranges aren't all that much different. Um, we've had four hurricanes already so far. Uh, and we've had two major ones so far, and we're probably going to have another major one here in the next day or so. Uh, what is now called Hurricane Lee, it's way out in the Atlantic, uh, is already a Category 2 storm. It's just got to bump up a few another miles per hour of wind speed to reach Category 3, which would make it major. It's still pretty far away. It's headed in the direction of the Bahamas. Uh, but beyond the Bahamas, heading west, that's the that's the eastern seaboard of the United States. So we don't quite know exactly where it's going to go. Beyond five days, the forecast track is is not so reliable. There's a belief it will sort of swing more to the north. It'll cut more to the north at some point, and that might spare much of the eastern seaboard. But we don't know that for sure. So for those along the eastern seaboard, they should. I wouldn't say it's time to to duct tape up the windows and and pack things up in the car and head out. But they should at least be keeping an eye on this. Uh, and for folks way far inland, even in the Midwest, uh, you know, you want to keep a, a little bit of a, an eye on this because you might end up with a pretty bad rainstorm that could cause flooding. And that would still be a tropical event for you. Yeah. And and we do have that. Um, yeah. This uh, one little additional note, though, in this part of the world, in Michigan and Ohio and around, uh, uh, the dream has always been to have if you're lucky enough, a place in Florida to go sneak off to uh, when it gets, uh, you know, really cold here. So there are a lot of people within the sound of my voice who have family, friends, property, or whatever in these areas, in the line of these storms. And what we're finding out is, first of all, they seem more frequent, and this report indicates at least this time around it's more frequent going to be. But now we have insurance companies deciding to not write insurance in some oh, of yeah. these areas. Big, big problem. Big, big problem. Big, we, big, big we, problem, especially in Florida, yes. Yeah. And we yeah. saw it when all this was happening. Uh, I, certainly the loss of life and all the other things that go with the storm are horrific and need to be dealt with immediately. But at the time I was saying, uh, growing up in the insurance business as I did, this is going to affect insurance companies to a point of where some of them will be broke unless they all gather together and underwrite well, with them, or some of them we, will just decide to stop writing business. And we've already had that problem for a while now in Florida. A lot of people are quick to blame the storms. We actually went like a good 11 years without getting hit by a bona fide hurricane. Most people don't realize that. Wow. Uh, Florida actually went a pretty long stretch without getting a hurricane. But the problem that we've had with insurance – as you know, a lot of people think of insurance like they think of health insurance. They think of coverage as opposed to risk-based coverage, which is what housing insurance still is. And there's been a lot of fraud and a lot of roofing contracting fraud and a lot of oh. litigation in Florida. And oh, that's boy. what caused that, – that has made the risk go up specifically. I am it's what so the glad. the legislature tried to uh, deal with over the, uh, over the last special session to try am, to do some court reform. I am so glad you brought that up because we haven't had that conversation in a long time. 
Uh, anytime you're involved in insurance fraud, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting everyone else. And that includes when you're getting your car fixed and the guy says, well, what's your deductible? And you tell him, and he goes, I can handle that. That's insurance fraud. I got to run. Evan Brown, God bless you always. Uh, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor as we continue. Good afternoon. So nice to be with you always, whenever we can be. Noon to 2 is when we're on live on 760 WJR. But you can find us at thegreatvoice.com and have our podcast with you to listen to at your convenience. Uh, That's WJR uh, 760 on the AM dial, noon to 2, or thegreatvoice.com. Look for the Focus Paul W. Smith Show uh, podcast. You can get individual interviews or the whole show. It's pretty simple, and I hope you will do that. As we head into this afternoon on a, a big day, one that we're all excited about, you expect me to say the Lions will win because, well, I always say that. However, I don't always say it if you pay close attention. But I'm going to say... There's a better than 50% chance that the Lions indeed will break Patrick Mahone's record of having never lost a game in week one in his entire NFL career. Now, if this wasn't the first game, I would be more confident that the Lions were going to win. It's that whole theory I have about the better teams taking the lower teams the way they see them for granted. But it's the first game. And that's not going to happen. So the Lions are going to have to win this one on their own. And I think and hope and even pray they will. We should maybe cue Tom Petty with the waiting in the background while we are waiting for the game this late afternoon, early evening. We can only hope. And we will hope. The uh, governor on a uh, on a mission, trade mission, and I want to thank uh, from the top Scott Turpin and uh, Joe Rotinsky from Aishin. They were working, unbeknownst to you, uh, behind the scenes to try to get this very program, Focus, to go on the trade mission to Japan with the governor. But it's a very quick trip, and her stops are very quick, and to try to coordinate where it would make some sense programming-wise, was just not in the cards. But I thank Aishin, a great client of the radio station and a great partner. I thank them for thinking of this very program to go on the road. And in the days ahead, I believe we'll get back to Japan on behalf of Aishin, as we have in the past. Thank you, Scott Turpin and Joe Rotinsky, for that. We're going to, we're told, I don't know... uh, Rieger, have you heard officially if we are going to get the governor? My, my, From everything I've been told, we are going to get the governor from Japan, but I know it's a crazy schedule. Yeah, um, the latest that I heard was probably not, unfortunately, yeah. since they are 13 and a half hours ahead yeah. of us and the next day while your show is on. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that was kind it, of the problem we ran into right. anyway. So, so. Uh, I don't think that that is going to happen, okay. unfortunately. We'll talk to her when she gets back. Yeah. So it started, and so it begins. It has happened. After years of seeking approval, a Milwaukee suburb is finally set to start pulling millions of gallons of water a day 
from Lake Michigan to replace its polluted water supply. The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources Natural Resources announced that the city of Waukesha will start diverting up to 8.2 million gallons of lake water per day to serve as its public water supply. The city plans to return treated wastewater to the lake via the Root River, resulting in what the DNR is calling a minimal net water loss. Does anyone believe any of this? No. They approved the city of Waukesha's request in 2016, and the Wisconsin DNR issued final approval for the diversion in 2021. It's now going to happen. But as I said, here we go, because I've said all along, we may be proud caretakers of the world's greatest supply of clean water, but that will not last forever. And so it has begun that others are pulling our water away from us. We knew it was happening. We knew it was happening. This breaking news, nothing shocking when it comes to Sean Fain, a fellow that I have not met. We've called a couple of times to try to get him on the show. I can't always figure out what he's thinking, but it has been bothersome to have somebody say before they started negotiating that the auto industry, meaning their employer, they work for them, were the enemy. And then, of course, saying he wouldn't shake hands and then taking offers from auto companies, throwing them in trash cans. Now, he says, uh, here's the headline from Jamie L. LaRue. UAW Sean Fain calls GM's contract counteroffer insulting. He apparently needs a strike, and I don't know why. I'm not sure what it is. No one wins in a strike. And the longer it goes, the more we'll lose and never make up what they've lost. So the story goes, General Motors made its first contract proposal today to negotiators for its 50,000 UAW-represented hourly workers that includes a 10% increase in hourly wages, among other things. But UAW President Sean Fain indicated the offer still falls short of the union's demands. The proposal would partially eliminate tier wages, which they want, unlike a proposal last week from Ford Motor Company to the UAW. The union has been pushing to end tiers, which are different pay rates for workers. Also, GM would give a 10% increase in hourly wages, but the union, which is bargaining with all three Detroit automakers in separate talks, has asked for a 40% hourly wage increase across the life of the contract and a return of a cost-of-living adjustment, COLA, a pension plan. UAW President Sean Fain said last week that Ford offered a 9% general wage increase over the life of the contract instead of COLA, a one-time lump sum bonus. Okay, so we don't know. Where that goes, what happens. All right, uh, other news. I've been carrying around this picture for a while. It says, campuses call for free expression. So these campuses have called for the right to speak, free speech. How amazing is that after we've seen 
mostly conservative speakers, thrown off of college campuses. But these campuses call for free expression. Duke University, Benedict College, James Madison University, Rollins College, University of Pittsburgh, Cornell University, University of Richmond, Claremont McKenna College, Rutgers University, DePaul University, and Wellesley College. None of our Michigan colleges have apparently made that pledge. However, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, called FIRE, I guess, tells us that Michigan Tech beats out nearly 250 colleges in the largest survey of campus free speech. Michigan Tech comes in first, and the University of Virginia makes the top 10, while Harvard, which, by the way, didn't do so well in the latest Wall Street Journal grading of colleges, Harvard ranks dead last with the lowest score ever for campus free speech. That pretty much says it all, doesn't it? Well, we've got more to talk about, that's for sure, as we continue this beautiful day, in spite of it not being sunny, really terribly sunny. It's Focus with Paul W. Smith on 760 WJR. You heard a moment ago a a commercial for uh, the North American International Detroit Auto Show. Let me remind you that Jennifer Hudson, winner of all four major American entertainment awards, is going to take the stage a week from tomorrow, Friday, September 15th, at the Detroit Auto Show signature Black Tie Charity Preview. The charity preview benefits six children's charities in southeast Michigan and will be held at Huntington Place in Detroit. People have said to me, well, what if there's a strike? Well, if there is a strike, that just means that we should even more importantly show up to support the auto industry. Where would we be without the auto industry? I'm not asking you to take sides. I'm asking you to realize how important the industry is and how important it is that we have a good showing at the charity preview and at the auto show. At the charity preview for those six area children's charities and at the auto show overall. So to get your tickets to charity preview, it's uh, naias.com slash charity preview tickets. N-A-I-A-S, as in North American International Auto Show, naias.com slash charity preview tickets. It's going to be fabulous, not the least of which is starring Jennifer Hudson and an opportunity to get dressed up and feel good about yourself and about Detroit and about our very important industry, regardless of the troubles they are seeing right now. We support them completely. All righty, in a sweeping ruling... Mexico's Supreme Court has thrown out all federal criminal penalties for abortion. You may find that unusual, or what's the big deal? This is a huge deal in a very religious country. The court ruled that prohibiting the procedure is unconstitutional, violates women's rights. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne has more on what is becoming a trend in Latin American countries. Good afternoon, Marie. 
Hi, Paul. You are so right. This ruling is notable for a lot of reasons, but foremost because Mexico is a predominantly Catholic country with 130 million residents, and it points to a larger trend in accepting abortion rights in Latin America. This ruling this week has no effect on local laws, and abortion remains illegal in 20 of the country's 32 states, but even in those states, women can now legally seek abortion in federal hospitals and clinics. The ruling also prohibits employees at these facilities from being penalized for carrying out abortions. Now, as for those 20 states which still criminalize abortion, judges will have to abide by the court's decision, but further legal work will be required to remove all the penalties. So there is still some legal work that has to be done here in these certain states. Pro-life advocates say they're not going to stop fighting against abortion in Mexico. And pro-choice advocates say they will work to decriminalize abortion in those 20 states which criminalize the procedure. Now, for now, the ruling does not mean that every Mexican woman will be able to have access to the procedure right away. What it does do, though, in theory, is uh, obligate federal agencies to provide the care to patients. And observers in Mexico agree that it would take some time to see how this ruling is really applied. Again, more legal work is still uh, in the horizon here. And, Paul, one last thing. In addition to Mexico, countless uh, countries such as Colombia, Argentina, Uruguay, and Guyana have all moved to legalize, either legalize or decriminalize abortion. You know, this is, uh, well, it is another country, I understand. But it's so bizarre because... Even in areas there in Mexico where they decriminalized abortion last year, there are 22 open investigations against women accused of ending their pregnancy. So it doesn't, this is hard to follow. It is very hard to follow. And I was actually going to bring that up to you about those open investigations on those 22 cases. Um, That means, again, that, you know, does this law um, apply retroactively and to who? So there are still some questions here about how this will be carried out. All right, another quick one, not to throw you a curveball, but in today's... (laughs) Hey, no better, no better, no better. All right, in today's, uh, this is today? Yeah, Thursday, Metro Section Detroit News. Below the fold, it says... Abortion bills will not include repeal of parental consent law, but ACLU of Michigan says age requirement should, quote, no longer be law. Can you explain that quickly to me? Uh, that, I, I would have to look a little closer at that. I know that this has been a bone of contention, this whole thing about having parental um, uh, approval or say in a, in a youngster's uh, quest for an abortion if they're so choosing to do that i I, paul i'd have to look into that i I can't answer right off the top of my head i just say this here's my new for trans and for anything uh, my new uh level of standard if you will is if a kid can't walk in at the age of 15 to get say a nose job they should not be able to walk in to have various parts of their body removed and i'm i'm going to say also that if they're under the age, they shouldn't have decisions about abortion without parental involvement. So I know that gets into the it gets into the arguments and everything else. But I mean, that, it just came to me the other day, and I used it on the air. That can a kid walk in at uh, 
12 and say, I really don't like my nose. Can I have a nose job? No, they can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why would they be able to walk in for any other surgery underage? It's pretty simple. At least for me it is. But I, as you know, Marie, better than anyone, I'm a simple man. <laughs> I, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot no. pole. I, I gave it to you. I laid it out I'm for you. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. Oh, you're a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good friend. Thank you, Marie. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> but, ooh, thank you. Bye. Well, there you are. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne here on WJR. And it's the Lions tonight. And uh, Steve Courtney making a stop here before the end of the show to go over his thoughts on that. And I frankly, I've been dying to ask him, as I know Miller Lite is his beer, so he didn't have anything to do with this uh, Bud Light uh, fiasco. But I got to know how a beer from Mexico has become the number one beer in these United States. What is it? Modelo? I think it's called Modelo. So I, I've been dying to ask Steve about that, and I have not had a chance, so here we go. We've had a doctor on uh, since I met him because I, I just believed in him, and when I see good people, whether it's a business, a doctor, a teacher, whatever it might be, I like to talk to them and about them and tell you about them. Now, this guy came on to talk about uh, uh, colonoscopies. Now, it's not a topic people are rushing to talk about, but you should. And now the rest of the team at Henry Ford Health System realized just how great he is. And since we started talking to him, he has taken on a new role as the director of endoscopic services, as well as a board-certified gastroenterologist at Henry Ford Health System. That's Dr. Summit Singla. Dr. Singla, it is a pleasure to catch up with you. How are you, sir? Hi, Paul W. Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you doing? I am doing well, and I want to congratulate you on uh, on this uh, this achievement, this advancement in your career. This is all good news. Oh, thank you so much, Paul W. I was so excited. Um, just a few weeks ago, um, I was promoted to be the division head of gastroenterology and hepatology, and uh, my mentor and my predecessor. Dr. Kimberly Brown has been an amazing mentor and has really set the stage. Um, we have such a great community of talented and caring clinicians. As you know, um, you have been such a huge supporter of our system and medical group, and I'm just so thrilled to, to kind of dive in a little bit more. So I'm so well, grateful to be in this role. Well, I'm glad we're able to talk and to congratulate you and to get to the point where this we're talking about uh, colon cancer, which is the third leading cause of cancer death, and it does not need to be. In fact, studies suggest that colonoscopies reduce deaths from colorectal cancer by 60 to 70 percent. We don't have a lot of that similar kind of high percentage luck with many cancers, but we do with colon cancer. But you have to go get tested. You must step forward and get a colonoscopy. It's not nearly as bad as you might think it is, and it can absolutely save your life. Paul W., you hit on the head, and you've been such a – the reason I, one of the reasons I love talking to you is because you have been such a proponent for community health 
And this is one simple thing. We can't prevent a lot in medicine. We can't cure a lot. But this is a deadly cancer that is almost entirely preventable if you follow these recommended guidelines. And, and if it's okay, I'll just quickly review. If you're over the age of 45, talk to your doctor. You should get a colonoscopy to get screened for colon cancer. And, that's, and that that's, that's younger than it used to be thought was the time. That's even younger, right? Yes, absolutely. Last year, the American Cancer Society recommended that adults, instead of at the age of 50 where we used to start, they're saying to get it done at the age of 45. There is, a, just to, so I'm, I'm fair and balanced, there is a group, the American College of Physicians, that said this year, oh, no, you should wait until you're 50. But most people in the field feel that 45, if not younger, because we see this in younger and younger people, this is the time to get screened before something were to develop. Is this is it automatically, uh, since it used to be 45 for African-American men, is it, yeah. is it uh, or maybe it's not just men, African-Americans, um, yeah. is, is it even younger still than 45 for them? No, it's a good point, Paul. Wow, you really know your guidelines really well. Yeah, <laughs> that used to be the case, and, and now it's for everybody, age 45. And, and what we, we usually talk about is if the government is willing to pay for it, it means it really does prevent mortality and morbidity downstream. Like, it really does help a lot of people. So it is absolutely the right thing to do. And, again, we see it in younger and younger people, so folks should not be putting this off. What do you th- is, that, is that our diets? Is that the environment? What do you think that's from, Doc? Younger it's, it's and younger really people. Complex. I don't think we know fully. I think it probably has a lot to do with the microbiome. There's a lot of research in that area. There's also geographic clustering. We talked about this before, that the Great Lakes area, I hate to say it for all of us, is an area where there has been clustering of younger people. So there's something in our environment that we don't know yet, but I'm sure we will in 30 or 40 years. So not sure yet. Now, we see on television uh, these tests uh, all the time, uh, colon cancer screenings. Uh, I don't know, is that called a fecal occult blood test or, or something, stool samples, whatever. They can detect the presence of blood or DNA biomarkers of the stool, but they cannot be used to confirm a diagnosis of colon cancer, which is why I suggest the colonoscopy is the really the only screening that includes a visual exam of the entire colon and rectum and, and, and really the way to go, frankly. Completely agree. There are various stool tests. They've gotten a lot better in the last 10 to 15 years, to be frank. They went from the ability to detect blood and blood products to now looking for DNA that would suggest high-risk polyps or cancer. But to your point, even if they're positive, the next step is to get a colonoscopy. And if they're negative, it doesn't tell you that there aren't big polyps or even a cancer that's sitting there. So they're good for people who want to avoid a colonoscopy or who are too medically sick really to get a colonoscopy. But for most average risk adults, getting a colonoscopy is just the, the best first and only step that's necessary to prevent this very deadly disease. He is Dr. Summit Singla, who's... Family must be so proud of them because they're in the medical business as well. They're, they're doctors. They have the calling, and they must be thrilled, Dr. Singla, as I am for you as now the new director of endoscopic services, uh, as well as being board certified in your specialization at Henry Ford Health. Call him, 
get a colonoscopy. If you have another doctor you use, fine. Dr. Summit Singler would certainly love to have you come to Henry Ford, but he just wants you to get tested. Everybody, 45 and older, should get tested. And then follow the instructions. You may have to come back every five years. Maybe you come back every 10 years. Whatever it is, do this and live longer. Appreciate your help, doctor. Congratulations again. Thank you so much, Paul W. Appreciate you as always. Dr. Summit Singla over there at Henry Ford Health as we continue on WJR. All righty. I have so looked forward to this because I haven't talked to this guy in a long while, and I hope this means we'll talk to him more often with the football season underway starting today. We're all waiting, excited. Steve Courtney, WJR sports analyst extraordinaire here to talk about the big game with the Lions starting their season tonight, Steve. Dub, what's going on there, fella? Long well, time no I, here. It's been so long. I'll tell you how long it's been. The moment I heard that, uh, now I know your beer is Miller Lite. I understand that. Yes, I was nursed on it. This was <laughs> the first time, I'll never forget the first time you told me this. You said, since high school, Miller Lite. And I said, please don't say that on the air ever. He's kidding, kids. He never drank beer in high school. Anyway, so Miller Lite's been your brew, and that's nothing's happened bad to them. But Bud Light, we know, stumbled with advertising and whatever they did. And uh, they they are no longer. They were the number one beer in America. They were. But why didn't it switch to Miller Lite or any number of other beers? Why did it switch to a Mexican beer, Modelo? Well, hey, uh, Modelo uh, is a is a fine beverage. Uh have been known to sample one or two of those. But listen, uh, because of the faux pas uh, involving Bud Light, and oh, it was a faux pas, uh, Miller Light and Coors Light have also done very, very well. Uh, not to the point where uh, there's going to be a shortage, thank goodness, because that's the last thing we need. Um, but everything is good. Uh, you know what, Dub? As far as the uh, Till Tonight, your 2023 Detroit Lions getting the campaign off tonight at historic Arrowhead Stadium against the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. We know this. We have known this for a long time. Uh, when the NFL schedule came out, a lot of members of Lions Nation who are so optimistic, perhaps at record levels, saying, oh, great, we're starting in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Uh, hey, the Lions wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, here's the deal. According to ESPN Analytics, your Lions have a 65% chance to make the postseason. That, my friends, fourth best in the NFC. Uh, before we talk about the Honolulu Blue and Silver, uh, some unfinished business here because the Chiefs have some things going on. Their fine all-pro tight end, Travis Kelsey, hyper-extended his knee at their practice this past Tuesday. A lot of speculation as to what his status would be for the opener against Detroit. Uh, well, we're starting to hear some rumblings. Ian Rappaport, fine uh, reporter from the NFL Network, tweeting that he feels better than he did yesterday. Kelsey, that is, not to mention Jason Kelsey, the fine center and brother of Travis, uh, has a podcast, and he is hinting he believes perhaps his brother will play tonight. Some... Isn't there some kind of an NFL rule that the team actually has to make a pronouncement about this? No. Oh, I thought there was. No, you can uh, hold out. They don't have to make anything okay. public. As a matter of fact, Travis Kelsey uh, took part in a workout uh, this morning, and there has been nothing 
from Chiefs Kingdom as to how that workout went. So, uh, you know, we'll find out, I guess, altogether. We know that their all-pro defensive tackle, Chris Jones, is not going to go. He has been holding out throughout the offseason, already costing himself millions of dollars. Oh, and by the way, he misses tonight's tilt against Detroit. That will be another $1.7 million fine. Now, uh, you know what, Paul? Uh, Both been around for a little bit. And we've been discussing it for a while that I don't remember so much anticipation, so much excitement going into a Lions season. Uh, you could go back, and I've talked to Lomas Brown about this, back when Lowe was playing and blocking uh, for the great Barry Sanders. Okay, uh, those are some pretty good times. Been a little bit dark since, but maybe that all changes this year. Uh, offensively, Jared Goff, remember, he closed last season with a streak of 324 straight pass attempts without turning the ball over via interception. He needs to do that. He needs ball security tonight in the opener against the Kansas City Chiefs. That would be uh, just pretty darn good. Uh, His core of receivers, Amal Ross St. Brown. We also have Khalif Raymond, Josh uh, Reynolds, Marvin Jones back for a second tour of duty with the Lions. And a lot of folks, very much, Paul, looking forward to the Lions debut of their rookie tight end, Sam Laporta. Uh, Not to mention the running game. Remember, the Lions had 100 or more yards rushing in their first six games last season, 12 of 17 overall. We will see their new dynamic duo in that offensive backfield, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Oh, and by the way, Jameer Gibbs will also be part of the Lions running attack. When I say that Travis Kelsey, Paul, and Chris Jones may both be out of the lineup tonight. We'll wait and see. Uh, we know that Patrick Mahomes, the uh, fine quarterback of the Chiefs, uh, is going to play. And uh, he is extremely special. Uh, hopefully the Lions' rebuilt secondary uh, is equal to the task. Cam Sutton and Jerry Jacobs will start at cornerback with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Kirby Joseph at safety. And Brian Branch, rookie out of Alabama, who just had a camp. So all in all, uh, I think we're all ready to get this thing going, Paul. I, I, I mentioned this earlier. I have to mention it again. Patrick Mahomes has never lost a game in week one of his entire NFL career. Um, I think tonight that's going to change. And I am loving that it's not just us, the same old Lions fans pulling for the Lions, but we've captured the attention of the country I'm not saying, I'm not about to say it's like the old days with Dallas as America's team, but when was the last time we were on the front page of the sports section of a national newspaper, USA Today, where the, where the headline is, the Lions might be dot, 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 good, with a question mark. Height puts Detroit in rare territory. This by uh, Jarrett Bell, a columnist of USA Today. There is, there's national attention on this game and national attention on the Detroit Lions, our Detroit Lions, for this 8:20 game tonight at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm feeling pretty good about it. How about you? Uh, I am. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, Dan Campbell addressed the hype train on the first day of training camp for all the right reasons, uh, because it would be easy for the Lions as a team to look at the headlines and say, yeah, we're pretty darn good. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you can talk about, okay, a 65% chance to make the postseason. Uh, you're getting all this national love. Former Lion Damian Woody, now an ESPN analyst, uh, was very adamant about, you know, tired of people disrespecting the Lions going into this season. And 
you know, look, there's a, a lot of things going their way. But the bottom line is, Paul, uh, when it comes to sport, you have got to go out and perform. Don't think for a second that their rivals in the NFC North haven't read the press clippings. And when they meet Detroit, uh, it's game on. So uh, I am very optimistic. I, like everybody else, had plenty of Kool-Aid and uh, just getting ready for this thing to go. Huh? All right. We're ready. Great to talk with you again, CV. We'll look forward to talking to you a lot more. Steve Courtney here on WJR. Stand by for news. Stay tuned for JR Afternoons with Chris Renwick. Make it a great rest of the day on your way to making each and every day count. Each day is a gift. We will be tomorrow in special hours, 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. from Annie and Willie's Porch in Frankenmuth with the Frankenmuth Auto Show as the tradition continues just at a little, maybe a little different hours. Go Lions! And regards, Paul W. Smith.